I did listen to a few influencer podcasts to get in the mindset when I was writing it a couple of years ago. And I just watched a lot of social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast. I'm Christy Meyer, your host, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and plenty of books to keep your TBR piles toppling. So grab a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hello, my cozy friends. I am so thrilled to have today's guest author on the show with us today. Brady Godfrey is a physician, mama four, and a writer. Her medical career is focused on caring for veterans with visible and invisible disabilities, and she's passionate about improving quality of life and wellness in veterans through research, teaching, and clinical work. Brady also co-writes romantic women's fiction under the pen name Allie Brady, and today we'll be chatting about her newest thriller, The Followers, which I absolutely devoured. So welcome to the show, Brady. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh, it is totally my pleasure. And like I said, I just absolutely loved the followers. It was so twisty. It was so fun. And really just everything that I personally look for in a thriller. So do you want to kick us off today by telling us what the book is all about? Sure. And thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Of course. (laughs) So The Followers is about an Instagram influencer named Molly Sullivan, and she's kind of built her whole career, her platform on being authentic and real. And one day she shares a picture of her new fiance for the first time. He does not react well. He asks her to take it down, which she does, but it's too late because someone across the country has already seen the picture and recognized him as the man who killed her sister and disappeared years ago. So this woman who saw the picture, her name is Liv. By the time Liv goes to the police to report what she saw, the picture is gone. So the police sort of just dismiss her. And so Liv decides that because Molly posts everything about her life all day long, she is going to use Molly's posts to find her, befriend her, and infiltrate her life to gather evidence about her husband. They're married now. So meanwhile, Molly is starting to find out that her husband hasn't been honest about his past. And at the same time, someone else saw the picture and recognized him. And that person is um, dangerous to everyone involved. So the secrets become twistier and twistier. And that's how it goes. (laughs) Ah, yes. So many great twists. And I really love both Molly and Liv. I think you did just like such a great job of weaving their POVs together, as well as maybe some other POVs in the story. And you really created just like a captivating plot. So between Molly and Liv, which POV did you find to be the most challenging to write and why? That is a great question. So let's see, I loved writing both of them and they were, you know, everything is challenging, but for Mm -hmm. me, it was hard for me to get into the mindset of Molly. She's this influencer. She has millions of followers. And I think sometimes our tendency is to sort of dismiss these influencers as like Mm self-absorbed, vain, attention-seeking, but I really wanted Molly to be doing this for the right reasons, or at least she thinks it's the right reasons. Um, And so trying to humanize her, give her her own, the people that she cared about. She is very loyal. She's trying to be very authentic. And, you know, of course, now that she's married to this man who has a has a secret past, it becomes 
really difficult for her to be authentic. So balancing that, it was really fun to get into her head, but it took some doing, it took some work to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really liked writing her. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. I I personally loved Molly and I thought it was so smart, just that like juxtaposition between having this influencer that feels like she has to post every moment of her life on social media in order to be authentic and share her authentic life experience with her followers and have her married to this man that like absolutely can't have anything published on social media about him or it literally puts himself and his daughter's lives in danger like it's just it adds so much tension to the story and I just thought it was so smart. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. And I do absolutely also adore the cover for this book. I think there's just something so fun about, again, the juxtaposition between having like a bright, happy pink colored cover and then the darker elements of a thriller. So what was your reaction the first time that you saw the cover? So it was kind of a journey to get to this cover. So I'm so grateful. My cover designer, Sarah Reedlinger, was so good and she was so patient. And sometimes I feel for these poor cover designers because, you know, authors give them random ideas and then they have to try to put it to life. Right. Right. So I said I wanted it to have pink sunglasses because that's sort of Molly's trademark in the book. And I wanted it to look like a juicy thriller. That's what I told her. Juicy thriller. Juicy thriller. Yes. And so, you know, she sent me a bunch of different ideas and I was just like, none of these felt right yet. And she again, she was so patient. She just kept trying different things. And um, I always feel so bad asking them to try different things, right? But my agent was like, remember how many drafts you did of this book? Mm -hmm. It is okay to ask her to do more. (laughs) So we went through a bunch of different iterations. And then we got this basic idea with the woman's face and the sunglasses. And and I was like, I love that. And so then she gave me multiple color schemes. So there was one that was more red and blue and, and orange and yellow and mixtures of colors. And then I was like, I don't know what to choose because they're all so cool. And Mm -hmm. I was asking everyone, which one do you like? And everyone gave different answers. And I didn't didn't even know what I liked at that point because I'd asked so many people. So what I decided to do is ask a few bookstagram friends because bookstagrammers have good eyes for covers, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, what do you think? And all of them said pink. So I was like, okay, I'm going with it. And I am so thrilled how it turned out. So thrilled. That's so cool. I love that story. And I love that you kind of um, were brave and pushed back a little bit to get the cover that you wanted because covers absolutely sell books. Um, they're a huge marketing tool for authors. And so to to really get the one that you want and that like best fit this book is so smart. And I'm glad that you did that. And I do think the the pink sunglasses are also a very fun marketing tool. Like I've seen a lot of bookstagrammers already posting their pictures with their pink sunglasses. Me and my book bestie, Sarah from The Clever Reader, have plans for pink sunglass posts. <laughs> so I just think that's so smart and fun. I'm really excited about it. So thanks. Yeah, so neat. And like we said, so social media, it plays a big role in this story. And I'm not going to lie, being like a a small book influencer, it did make me a little bit more leery about what I'm posting on social media myself. So what kind of research did you have to do on influencers and social media to prepare for writing this book? 
So like you, I, you know, have spent time on social media Mm -hmm. as a book influencer before getting published. And, but my platform is very tiny compared to Molly's, but even still, even with a relatively small platform, there's still this sort of constant pressure to post, to keep up with the algorithm, to check like all your metrics, your reach, your likes, your comments, your views. Are they declining? Are they going up? Mm -hmm. Um, Comparing yourself with other people to feel like maybe I need to post about certain things because that's what other people are getting traction with. Or, you know, companies contact you and you're like, can you post about my bag or whatever? Right. (laughs) And so I just thought of all of that times, you know, a million for Molly, basically. Right. Multiplied by the fact that this was really her livelihood. This is how she made her living, how she supported her daughter. She was a single mom for a long time. So I did listen to a few influencer podcasts to get in the mindset when I was writing it a couple of years ago. And, you know, I just watched a lot of social media. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, people have asked me if she's based on any one specific person and she's really not. She's more of just a conglomeration of influencers, content creators that I've seen, but I tried to sort of model her after people that I enjoyed who I felt like were, you know, honest and authentic and fun and uplifting. Um, cause I think she really is trying to be a positive force. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really found her very relatable, like just the whole like influencer thing again, like I, a very small scale, do I find that relatable, but it's just like that constant thought in your mind of like, what am I doing? What's interesting? What can I be posting? How do I grow my content? And then really like as an author, that is now part of your job because you not only have to write the books, right? Like you have to market it as well. So I'm sure that's something that's going through your mind constantly as well. Yes, absolutely. It really does feel like this sort of relentless pressure. Mm -hmm. And I love, you know, making connections through through social media. I've met so many people, so many people to become genuine friends. I'm so grateful for it. And so it's really hard to separate all the things I love from the things that I don't love as much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like I've got this kind of like, barometer in my brain kind of figured out where I feel like if I'm getting to the point where I'm doing an activity and I feel like if I don't post this on social media, it's not real. Like if my brain is starting to shift into that kind of gear, then it's time for me to take a little social media hiatus and get grounded again because it it, it is weird the way it kind of like affects your brain chemistry when you're constantly thinking about social media. Yes, for sure. I love that. I'm going to take that to heart. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, uh, many years of having to stop doing social media and like restart and trying to find (laughs) somewhat of a healthy balance. But it's tough, especially when you're trying to market books. Yes, it really is. Yeah. So I do love that you set this story in Colorado, um, living in Utah. I found that like a very, to be a very relatable setting. So why did you choose Durango as the setting specifically? So I, I've gotten a little tired. That seems like so many books are set in like New York, Mm -hmm. LA, or maybe it's Southern fiction and it's in the South. It is so rare to read anything set in the Intermountain West or the Southwest. Um, so I knew I wanted something in that area for the specific town though. I was looking for a town where someone who has sort of a shady past might go to disappear. So Durango is small enough and it's sort of isolated. It's a little isolated from, you know, everything around it, but it's not so small that everyone knows everyone else. 
Plus, it's kind of a touristy town. There's national parks and there's a lot of skiing. There's a lot of outdoor stuff. And so there's so many people coming in and out. So I thought it was a good place for someone to go and kind of be off the grid. Yeah, I totally agree. I loved the like somewhat isolated setting of Durango. I thought it was perfect for the story. And I do agree that the I feel like the Mountain West and the Southwest don't get nearly enough attention in books because they're such like beautiful and dramatic settings like I I love living here and I would love to see more of it in fiction so it was fun to see it in your book thank you and so you do also like co-write romance novels um under the pen name Allie Brady so I'm just curious what do you find more challenging writing a book with a partner or writing a book by yourself they are both challenging, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My co-writer, Allison, we you know share the drafting stage. So we split the chapters up. So the original, you know, the initial drafting, when you're on that first draft, goes faster because we're we're trading off chapters and we're writing half a book. Right. But we plot everything together beforehand, divide everything up, make sure we're on the same page with the plot, the characters, the side characters, the setting, the arc, the themes, everything. So it's a lot of pre-planning and discussion and compromise and all of that, which is very fun and exciting as like a creative person to work with someone else creative, but it just adds more steps to the process. So I don't feel like writing with someone else really cuts down the work. It's just, I think it's the same amount of work. It's just different work. Um, When I'm on my own, I do, there is a sense of, you know, freedom. Like this is my story. I can take it wherever I want to go. But when I'm co-writing, I write a chapter and I send it to my co-author and she immediately gives me feedback and sends it back. And when I'm writing by myself, it's a lot more of that sort of weeks, months, sometimes of slogging away by myself until I get something that I feel like is, you know, shareable that won't embarrass me to mm-hmm. share with someone. Um, so there's more of that sort of loneliness, I think. But also, you know, there's a freedom too. So I don't know. I like both of them. They're just different. That completely makes sense. So how did you meet Allison anyways? That's great. Yeah, that's a great question. People ask us that all the time. I so we met, we met in, there's a, a group, a writing group called the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And we were both members there. And we met back when, you know, neither of us were published. And we, um, that organization does a lot of, you know, opportunities to swap pages and join critique groups. And so we ended up swapping pages to just read each other's work. And we really loved each other's writing. And we also love the way the other one critiqued, which is super important. As you probably know, you sometimes you know, <laughs> work to somebody and they just don't get it. They don't like it. And that's not helpful to you, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you get it back and you're like, well, this, you hate what I'm doing and that's fine. You don't have to like it, but this is not going to help me be a better writer. So we just really clicked and connected, but then it was several years before we decided to write together. It was during the pandemic when we were home you know, bored and just brainstorming. And we had this idea and we just decided to run with it. That's so cool. And I, I I love your romance novels. And I think that's such a cool story about how the two of you met. I can only imagine like a book is so precious to an author and it feels like it would be very, very hard to give up some of the control. Well, like also at the same time, recognizing that that would probably make the book even better it's like when you get critique um from a critique partner like it makes your book so much better but letting go of that control i can only imagine would be a little bit difficult 
Yes, it can be. It can be. There's definitely, you know, you work really hard on a chapter. You come up with this idea that you think is so good and they're like, this doesn't work. <laughs> and it's so sad. You, it really can be hard or something just it isn't right for the story, even though you, you think it's a great idea. But luckily, you know, I always say we have an infinite number of ideas. We can always kind of incorporate something in later. So yes, it is hard. And there have been, you know, sad moments, but we can just write more books. <laughs> I love that. And I think uh, like the friendship between the two of you is just so adorable. Like I love to see um, your Allie Brady social media account and all the posts that the two of you do together um, and just how like uplifting you are of one another. I think that's just like absolutely invaluable, especially in the publishing industry where things can be so like cutthroat and brutal. It would be kind of nice to have a friend. It, it really is. Um, we're so incredibly lucky. And even with my solo books, Allison is like my first reader and the followers is actually dedicated to her. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly lucky. And to have somebody who's sort of been through it with you and can understand it, like you said, this, it can be a really tough industry in mm -hmm. publishing and you know, it's so easy to compare to other people. But I think one of the best things about being a writer is getting to meet other writers. Most of them are very gracious and kind. I've had a few bad apples that I've met, but most are very supportive and lovely and will, you know, do their best to help you. So it's been, it's a great, it's a great group of people to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. The writing community can be so, so wonderful. Like we um, are very lucky. We have an independent bookstore here, which uh, we'll just put in a little plug for Brady's launch party. So if you are in Utah, August 29th, the King's English is hosting her launch party for the followers, and it's going to be so much fun. And they host lots of author events, and we've had the opportunity to meet so many amazing authors there. And by and large, like all the authors we've met have been wonderful, so kind, so gracious, and it's just, it's so cool. I love that. So if you're in Utah, August 29th, and is it, at what time is it at, Brady? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. at the King's English on August 29th. So we hope to see some of you there. That would be great. I'm going to have really cute cookies and Ooh. hopefully some sunglasses for people who want a pair. So I'm excited. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be so much fun. We can't wait. And so I have to mention, so romance and thrillers, those are my two very favorite genres, which is funny because they're like total opposite ends of the spectrum. And I talked to so many readers who those are also their two favorite genres. And so I love that you write in both. And I'm wondering if there's a particular genre that you prefer to write in over the other. So they're my two favorite genres as well, like so many other readers. And they just feel like two parts of my personality. And I just love them both in different ways. Like when you write a thriller, you really have to nail the plot. Thriller readers can be really tough to please in many <laughs> ways. I think they're tougher. They're tougher on reviews. They're tougher as, you know, tougher critiquers. Um, in romance, though, you have to nail the characters and the relationships. Um, and if you do that, the readers will be pretty happy. I think writing in both has been really helpful because I think it's improved my plotting skills in more of the romance world. And then in the thriller world, I think it helps with the relationships and developing the character arcs. I really like going back and forth. So it's, I, I don't think I could choose. I'm grateful that I don't have to choose. I will say I sometimes dream of writing a book that really combines the two, some kind of suspense that has an epic romance. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. 
That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, that's a perfect description, and I love that you said that. I've never really thought about it in that way where thrillers are really like the plot-driven books and then romance are really like the character and relationship-building books. Um, and so that makes absolute sense. And as a reader, you really like that balance of reading a book that gives you like all the warm, fuzzy feelings and then you want a thriller that's like edge of your seat, plot-driven, and then just has those puzzle-solving elements that are a lot of fun. Yes, for sure. I do think it's funny so many women who, you know, they'll write, they'll read these beautiful, lovely romances, and then they're reading just the most hardcore, disgusting thrillers, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And then we have like other women that are very much into like the fantasy and sci-fi, but I feel like hardcore romance readers are usually also hardcore thriller readers. And it's such a funny <laughs> juxtaposition. And I love that. Yes, me too. So I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. It's so much fun to get to chat with you. And I'm wondering if you could choose any one author in the world, either living or dead, to interview yourself. Who would you choose? Oh, that's a good question. I think right now I would choose Lisa Jewell. Oh, yes. Um, her, re her newest book just came out, um, I think this week. It's called None of This is True, and it's so good. And I would just want to interview her to have her tell me how she did it because, because the book kind of moves slowly for the first half or so. Mm -hmm. There's not one that happens, but I was so invested. I was so invested. There was this sense of kind of creepiness infused in every interaction between the characters. I was just desperate to find out what was going to happen, and it all came together really, really really well and I loved the ending but I was so impressed with that beginning and how she sucked you in I agree I uh, I've read several of Lisa Jewell's books and I just feel like they're all just like a master class in kind of like character development while also like writing a plot that's very engrossing because they are all like kind of like a slower pace for a thriller reader but they just like build so perfectly that you're so captivated and on the edge of your seat and like white knuckling the pages. And then the wow. end is always just like so climactic. I absolutely love her books. She is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, the pacing of her books is very uh, British, I think. Like I feel like their thrillers are a little bit slower paced compared to American thrillers. Um, at least the ones that I've read anyways. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, but equally as good, just kind of like a different pacing and focus, I think, with the character development. So now uh, the question that we all can't wait to hear the answer to, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? Sure. Let's see. I'll tell you about my co-written book first. So we just finished edits on our next Allie Brady book, which is coming next summer. Awesome. And it is about two former best friends who reunite at an adult summer camp. And it's romantic, nostalgic, there's pranks, there's skinny dipping. It's really fun. I'm very excited about it. That is so and cute. Like, I love the idea of an adult summer camp so much. I Like, I want to go to one. Do those actually <laughs> exist in real life? They do actually exist. And um, we've had some people say, oh, you should put on an adult summer camp and have all your readers come to it. <laughs> We're like, well, we'll see. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guarantee we could get several people um, from our book club at the King's English to sign up for that. Oh, no problem. So fun, Going to a bunch of with a bunch of readers up to like a lake and just hanging out would be amazing. So cool. So let's see. I'm also working on a solo project, but it's a bit of a genre departure for me. So I wouldn't call it a standard thriller, but it has elements of a murder mystery, a ghost story, and small town drama. Um, and I'm still in the first draft stage of that. So that's all I'll say for now, but I am really excited about it. And I set it in small town Utah. So Okay. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love ghost stories. I love mysteries. I read a ton of like cozy mysteries um and particularly like witchy or ghosty cozy mysteries so that sounds like right up my alley i just have to finish it <laughs> <laughs> that's always the hard part huh it's just like finishing the book exactly <laughs> all right well lastly can you tell our listeners how they can connect with you online and stay up to date on all of your upcoming book releases Yes, I am most active on Instagram at Brady Godfrey. My first name is spelled differently, B-R-A-D-E-I-G-H. And my website is bradygodfrey.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter, which I am very sporadic about, but you know, every <laughs> once in a while I'll send one out. Um, I won't spam you because it's only a couple times a year. But yeah, those are probably the best places to find me. Perfect. Well, this has been so much fun. I, like I said, I absolutely love the followers. I am so excited to come to the launch party and get my copy signed. Um, and also listeners, you can probably just order your own signed copy from the King's English Bookshop. So um, if you visit their website or if you give them a call, I'm sure they'd be happy to have Brady personalize a book for you during her event. And Brady, this has just been so much fun. I really appreciate you being on the show today and taking the time to chat with me. Thank you so much, Christy. This was such a fun conversation. I really loved it. Of course. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back very soon with another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. So stay tuned. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Christy Meyer Books. That's K-R-Y-S-T-I-M-E-Y-E-R Books to stay up to date on all of the mysteries that I am reading and recommending. We'll be back with another episode soon, but in the meantime, happy reading and stay cozy.